This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Pleasure to be joined right now by Troy Hunt, who is a Microsoft Regional Director and creator of Have I Been Pwned? Troy, pleasure to have you with us today. Thanks for a few moments. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And so some of what you do is is on the global perspective. So I'm interested to, to start out there and, and get your thoughts on where the mindset is globally around cybersecurity in comparison to what we think here about it in the U.S., which seems at times to be a little bit lacking. I think that's pretty consistent across the globe. I mean, the, the nature of, of cybersecurity is it's it's pretty much borderless. Uh, so many of the, the attacks that we see whether it's in the US or here in Australia, we've geez, we've had a lot <laughs> just in the last couple of weeks. Uh, very often they're orchestrated by people in other countries because the, the internet is what it is. Once you're on the internet, you're on the internet. It really doesn't make a lot of difference where you are. So as a result, the experience that we have certainly across most Western cultures, whether it's US, UK, Australia, uh, is very, very similar. So what's the conversation like then there in Australia when an attack occurs, when a hack happens, and, and valuable data uh, may end up in the wrong hands. Well, it's a little bit different here at the moment because we had uh, our biggest cyber attack ever last month, our biggest data breach, our second largest telco uh, leaked the data of, of almost half of the country, which was a, a massive incident. So now there's a lot of discussion uh, in Australia, particularly around how identity data is handled. So this particular breach had about... 2 million records, which is a, a sizable portion of the Australian population. We've got 25 million people here, but 2 million of the records had driver's license numbers and passport numbers and healthcare identifiers. And it's it's very much like the discussion of social security numbers in, in the US. Uh, how dependent should we be on just a number to prove identity when it's handed out to so many places and then leaked in so many places? How much does the government then step up and and and, and take a role in addressing some of these issues there. I'm kind of curious about that myself at the moment, Dan. We're, we're just starting to, to, to see this. I, I guess the role of, of the government in this is, is sort of twofold. So uh, on, on the one hand, we talk about identity data, whether it's our, our numbers here that got released or social security numbers in the US. There's questions about how identity proofs are done at a, at a national level. And it's, it's sort of a, a hard problem. But then again, we've got a lot of different ways of doing identity verification these days that we didn't only a few years ago, especially by virtue of the fact we're all walking around supercomputers in our pockets and on our wrists. And then the other part of it is uh, the regulatory regime around how organisations are treated after a data breach. And many of us have felt for a very long time that there really just is not enough teeth in the regulations to penalize organizations appropriately and dissuade them from having more of these incidents in the future. And, and the real issue here, I think, is not so much that data breaches have, have happened. There's always going to be data breaches. There's always a point at which an adversary is going to be sufficiently motivated or resourced to, to overcome their, their target. But more about were these organizations sufficiently prepared, given what we all know today? We know that the, we have GDPR in, in Europe. And I think a lot of people talk about whether or not you could replicate that in, in other parts of the world right now. That's been a talking point a little bit here in the United States as well. I think the, the larger question is, can we get to a point where there is, or could you get to a point where there is global partnership on, on, on the protection of data, even U.S. to Australia, U.S. to Europe, other countries as well? 
Look, I love that question because as, as much as I love the intentions of, of GDPR, we've still got lots of data breaches within the European regime. And then of course, on other services with European data subject uh, content in there. So clearly GDPR hasn't fixed it in any sort of absolute way. But what I really like about your, your question is I lament when there is a data breach of some large multinational platform uh, my friends in Europe jump up and go, hey, I've got protection under GDPR and I uh, am owed all these things. And I'm sitting down here in Australia going, well, what about me? <laughs> you know, like I'm important too. And it, it just seems to me that it, it, it's almost sort of a, a question of like a fundamental human right to the privacy of data and to recourse if our data is exposed. And I would love to see consistency, certainly across, you know, whether we say it's like G20 nations or, or some, some collective of countries that have very similar views around privacy and, and rights. But the expectation is now that because we are so digital, that we're going to be dealing with this in some form, no matter whether we're talking about this a year down the road, five years, 10 years, whatever it might be. Oh, yeah, and only more so because we have more data that's digitized. We have more devices that are online. We have more people coming online. I mean, we're pretty much at saturation point in places like the US and Australia, but uh, emerging nations have got a still massive growth rates of, of people now getting connected. And, of course, we've got more people out there trying to break into stuff because it's more valuable. So all the signs are there that we're only going to see more data breaches of increasing impact. So we, we have to have this discussion. And as a dad of three, I'm very concerned about, you know, my kids all have smartphones. They're 13 and 16 years of age, uh, you know, uh, of of what they go look at, where they look at it. And, and their mom and I having the conversation of, look, these are things that you need to be aware of at a young age so that you can be prepared when you're, you know, out there in the workforce. So my, my son turned 13 last week. So we've just gone through and set up all these social things and had all of these discussions. And he, he's probably a little bit lucky having a, a father that he's seen for many years living in this world and, and talking to him a lot about these things. I almost worry a bit more about my parents and, and their demographic, where it is such a foreign concept to them, uh, you know, for, for them to grasp even the modern security paradigms we're trying to push. You know, we tell people well, you should have universal two-factor security keys. <laughs> Imagine trying to set my parents up on that in, in their 70s and, you know, explain the the fishability of 2FA tokens from authenticator apps. Uh, yeah, it's, it, we're gradually taking people through that journey, but it's, it's certainly uh, the generations at each end of the scale that are a little bit trickier. So then does it get better down the road because we are, the younger generations are more digitally savvy? Well, there's that term about being a digital native. So kids that are born into this, this world of connectivity. I mean, my son having just turned 13, he's never known a time where there hasn't been an iPhone or an iPad or social media. Uh, I managed to, to get to adulthood just before I saw the internet in 95. <laughs> so yeah, I had some level of maturity before that happened. But yeah, now, obviously, kids are using technology from such an early age, and many of them are well and truly on social media before 13 as well, so that they have this, this native understanding of many of these paradigms. And it's different to us. It doesn't necessarily always make them more savvy. And in many ways, I think it makes them more tolerant of things like privacy violations because it's just become a norm. Can we expect, I, I don't know to what level, uh, public-private partnership maybe to be able to help correct some of this as we move forward? 
Sure, to some extent. And I mean, to, to some extent, that's what we do with Have I Been Pwned. There's dozens of governments around the world that, that uses that data in order to better protect their, their departments. And there are law enforcement agencies like the FBI that, that feed data such as compromised passwords in to try and help uh, on online platforms to, to stop their customers from using known breach credentials. So, you know, there's there's a good sort of personal example. And, and certainly governments seem to be much more receptive these days, uh, even compared to just 10 years ago, about those public-private partnerships. So there's a lot of opportunity there. So when you go and speak to groups, what's the, what are the, the one or two most important points that you bring up right now? Because it, it's, we're in a time of unprecedented, uh, unprecedented interest in, in cyber, in, in the internet, in digital, et cetera. Really depends on the demographic. So I'll give you two examples at different ends of the extreme. For the for the everyday consumers, the absolute fundamentals of strong, unique passwords, which really means you need a digital password manager, and using multi-factor authentication. That that's just an absolute fundamental that is consistently done poorly. And then at the other end of the extreme, when it's governments and law enforcement. The, the thing that I keep trying to impress is, is just the, the prevalence with which there are individuals out there who are very often still legally children. This is kids a lot of the time breaking into systems because they are so unprepared. And the, the sort of the scary thing about it as well is, is their motivations are very different. You know, they're not necessarily going out there looking for money. They're looking for the challenge. And if you think, look, we've all been kids. We've all had our moments where you're a bit devious. Now, imagine you're online and you've just got the world out there that you can probe away at. And you have no sense of recourse because you're sitting in your bedroom at home, uh, but people are out there doing serious amounts of damage. So the it's it's almost sort of that the leverage that attackers can get. They can be highly unsophisticated with very limited resources and do major, major damage. And, and that is just accelerating all the time. Troy, great to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us from Australia for this conversation. Cheers, Dan. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Troy Hunt, who's a Microsoft Regional Director and creator of Have I Been Pwned. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.